And welcome everyone to this edition of the NACAFA 65 Years of Our Huddle Includes Everyone podcast series. On this edition of the podcast, we've got special guest Mike Schmidt joining us. Mike Schmidt, the current president for the Cumberland Panthers, jumps on the call and talks a little bit, uh, well, I'd say a lot about uh, everything Cumberland Panthers. As well, Mike talks about his uh, his background in the CAFA, how he got involved, and uh, all that fun stuff. That coming up right after the pause. Hey, Mike, can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly, yes. Awesome. Mike, as I was telling you, we got Mike Schmidt with the uh, president of the Cumberland Panthers jumping on the call. Mike, I really appreciate you jumping in. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing really good. Good. Thanks for having me. I really, uh, really appreciate you doing this. No, it's, you know what? And like I've been telling everybody, it's been a lot of fun when they kind of approach me with this idea and just the cross section of, uh, of football people I get to talk to. And I mean, and it's funny because NACAF has got such a, a, a wide range of, uh, of people in its history. I mean, obviously, the first thing we think of is, uh, you know, the guys that have gone on and gone on to play pro. But then there's so many layers of it that uh, that are just so interesting and fascinating that get it to run. So, I mean, this is a great chance for me to actually get to talk to um you know, people that have played it, been part of it, and gone on to, you know, make sure that it's, make sure that future generations get the chance to play. So, again, um, really enjoyed doing it. So, like I said, this is fun for me, and I'm glad to have you on, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I really, I thank you. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, being uh, part of the Ottawa football community myself and uh, and all the legends that have come out of, uh, come out of Ottawa and all the teams and all the guys that have gone pro and gone down to the States and all that, and uh, to have the, to have the uh, the pleasure to know some of these guys has been uh, has been a great part of my life. So, thank you. No, it is. It, it, I, I say the same thing, and I mean, and it's the also the thought process. People forget is behind every one of those those pros or kids going down to the states, either past, present, future. Um, there was not just coaches behind them, but a large infrastructure of volunteers and people that cared and people that were, you know, some of them very passionate about football and then some developing that passion. So, I mean, I think, uh, I think one of the things I like about this is that we're getting to talk to some, you know, uh, like guys, we, we both know like the Darren Josephs, the Discipios that have played some pro, but then we're getting to see some of the real builders that have made it possible um, for people like, you know, myself, yourself, others to have played the game and have kind of fell, fallen in love with the game, um, you know, made it a major part of our lives and then got the chance to kind of uh, get back into it and give back. Oh, so. It's, it's so so true. And no matter who you talk to in, I, know, I, I like to hope every sport, but definitely football. It, uh, it doesn't matter who you talk to, player, coach, there's always somebody in their life that uh, that has made an impact or has helped them get to where they where they are. Oh, hundred percent. And it's funny that yeah. you say that because I always smile because it seems to be, uh, and I think it's a sport thing, but I can only talk specifically for football or a hundred percent say I'm sure of it, but it amuses me. I always said this. I had, um, I had Kenneth Rare on who had a, had a very good pro career was the uh, CFL Eastern nominee for yep. the year was, uh, is in the hall of fame at Laurier football. So, I mean, this guy's accomplished a lot of stuff. And I was lucky enough, I got to coach with Ken a few years, and um, and I believe it was Dan Ramble. One of the guys, one of the first people to draft him and coach him was out and just kind of walked by. And the smile on Ken's face and, jog, hey, coach, and jogging over. And you had Kenny, a man at the time in his 40s, and it was like that kid came out. And it made me think of myself, because I know uh, one of my old coaches, Coach Steve Howlett, when I see him, and he's only a few years older, but he had such an impact, he'll always be coach. You know? That's, that's exactly it. Like, it, it I – 
see guys that uh, you know men even uh, that are that are far my senior and and you're absolutely right they'll they'll never be Mr. so and so they'll never be you know they'll never be Dave they'll never be Mike they'll never be Wayne exactly. they'll be coach <laughs> you know it's yeah. so it's so true it's so true no and you're right and you kind of and, and you get that feeling inside that you did when you were a kid with that guy it's oh, like yeah. it's- so no it's great i mean we could probably go on just talking about that but let's not let's uh <laughs> a bit about your background but um why don't you give us kind of uh, for lack of a better term uh, a bit of the mike uh, mike schmidt file how did you get started in this great game you know i was uh i was never a standout player i was never you know i was never on anybody's radar i didn't play college I sure as hell didn't go to the pros, but uh, I loved the sport. I, I, I started to play when I was a kid. You know, my dad, my dad said, hey, uh, why don't you try football? You know, because my dad, my dad actually uh, was was involved in football for a very long time. Uh, he grew up uh, out on the West Coast in, uh, in Vancouver and uh, he was a coach. Uh, he played and he was a coach and, you know, the passion was always there for him. Uh, he was actually a, a former CFL referee back in the day. And, uh, and he asked me if I wanted to play one year when I was, I, don't know, I think it was 10 probably at the time. Uh, okay. So we had, we had lived in, uh, in Orleans. We, I grew up in Orleans and uh, back then the place to play was the East Gloucester Bengals. Um they were the well. best. Yeah, and they, they were the best. Like I remember going out to my first practice, and the players that were there, there was like eighty kids that would come out to to try out every single every single time. And you know, I was I was uh, good enough to make the team as an athlete. I ended up playing there. You know, two years of mosquito, two years of peewee, uh, two years of bantam, and then uh, I went on to play with the Dukes for three years, and cool. the Gloucester Dukes at midget. Um, and uh, and then after that, had a small little stint with uh, the Ottawa Junior Riders at uh, at junior football, and unfortunately, cool. I, I succumbed to some injuries, and uh, I just couldn't play anymore. I couldn't. Uh, I wasn't wasn't good enough. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of my football story. <laughs> well, very cool. Yeah. Well, no, and it's funny because I mean, I think at the end of the day, almost every football player. Uh, whether you, you you whether you hang up the cleats at 18 or you hang up the cleats at 39, you're going to fall victim to that injury bug. And uh, and it's funny because whether even the ones that go on to play pro, whether they want to admit it or not, it's probably the collection of injuries that uh, you know lead to uh, an early stop. So I mean, your your story probably echoes with with many in yeah. terms of. Yeah, and and like we had we had so much fun. Like I have, you know, f- just playing on those teams. Uh, you know, we had. Uh, the best, like we were the best, and I say that it was, it was, it was always East Gloucester Bengals versus Myers Riders. When during my whole tenure, we both went undefeated in this regular season, and we both ended up playing in the finals. And I tell you, I lost. We lost to Myers every single year in the finals, except for that last Bantam year where we where we captured the uh, the city championship. Uh, back in there and that that's a memory that uh, that I'll remember and I remember in that game that last Bantam game I, I, I unfortunately separated my shoulder and uh, that's kind of where it all started before I got into midget and and unfortunately when uh, when I hit my last year of midget it just uh, it became too much and injuries uh, took over with with my shoulder and I just couldn't play anymore so but it is what it is you know no and unfortunately you know uh kind of need that shoulder to play football <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty important i, I played and i played linebacker the whole my whole career exactly. my whole playing career so yeah shoulders are pretty important you know 
can you can have a banged up toe, maybe a bad finger here, but playing linebacker with the you know, without with basically without a shoulders, yeah, you it's, can't really pull that off. Well, that's a great segue into what I'm going to ask you in a couple minutes because I do want to get back to that in a second in terms of um, just the playing days that you had with East Dot or with East Gloucester, um, the Orleans Bank, or I'm choking up or East. East, Glo- East, East Gloucester Bengals back in the day. Yeah. Right. Now they're known as and the Orleans Bengals, but back then they were no, the East Gloucester. Is I'm having a brain fart there because I played against the East Gloucester Bengals. That was the team name. They weren't the Orleans Bengals, so that's why I'm like choking on the words there. <laughs> I know this because we um I lost a city championship um to a guy that would go on to play pro, actually. Jeff Karate played in the seat for a year out of there. Know that guy and very well. Yeah, and I want to say it was Peewee or Mesquite. It might have been even bad, but anyways, and it wasn't the A championship, it was the B, but and we lost on a snowy day seven to six. Oh, I just remember heartbreaking, you know, heartbreaking that yeah. uh, the, those losses. Yep, no, a hundred percent. So looking back, and you're talking about the camaraderie and when you got involved in it, did you kind of have an aha moment? Like, were you playing other sports at the same time of football, and was there any kind of clicking moment where you really fell in love with the game that made you play it for all those years at all the levels through in CAFA? I, I, yeah. I mean, as a kid, you always kind of played and dabbled in multiple sports. You had to, you know, I played, I played soccer, uh, I played a little basketball, um, played a little uh, rugby in, in high school, you know, things like that. But uh, for me, you know, football was always that, that, that ultimate team sport, you know, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you that, five of my lifelong friends that I met when I was 10 years old are still some of my best friends or they act still, they are my best friends still to this day. We've shared, you know, so many moments uh, together within our lives. Um, you know, whether it's me being a best man at one of their weddings, them being a best man at my wedding, um, our kids growing up now with each other, none of that from, I truly believe none of that would have been possible if it wasn't for football. So my aha moment was probably probably when I was like you know 15 16 and and knowing that these guys got my back for life and and uh knowing that whenever I step on the field um you know we got each other's back and you know we win as a team we lose as a team and you know the boys they're the boys and it was uh it was that type of uh mentality that uh that really sort of built the foundation of of our lives you know it uh it's 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 pretty special thing to experience and you don't really know it in the moment until you reflect back on it 10 20 years later and you'd be like man football has done so many amazing things for us it's taught us so many life experience and stuff uh, and it's it's true to this day oh 100% i mean it's funny cuz that is actually the, the the i said the other one was a perfect segue this is even better <laughs> in the sense my next question for you was exactly I mean, looking back at off the top of your head, I know myself, I can think back and there's some things I'm like, you know what, I really learned this when I was 11 or 12 or 13, just in that football team and, and discipline. There was no other sport that had the discipline I found environment. And, and I look back and I'm like, shoot, you know, I was kind of lucky. I, I learned this and had this part aspect of my life, I guess, kind of figured out at 13 because of the the coaches around me, because of the structure of football. Do you ever look back and think, you know, of some of the lessons you might have learned, even as a young guy, and you think now that, oh, shoot, you know, I learned that because of football, or I learned that because of, you know, the or anything like that. You know, it, it, it yeah, I do. I like I in my in my per- professional life right now, I I attribute some of my leadership skills to uh, to football. 
I, I, I wasn't the best player on the team. Um, I was, I was uh, one of the smartest players on the team. And, and, and I put myself, I used my football smarts and my knowledge of the game to put myself in good positions on the field to make plays. Um, I was not the fastest by any means, certainly not the strongest by any means, uh, but that's something that, that I was able to use in football. And that has taught me now in my professional life and my home life and my, you know, my personal life to, to do the same, you know, put yourself in the best possible uh, positions for success and, and, uh, and, and all that. And that I, I, even to this day, I still live by some of those, some of those mottos. That's amazing. I remember an old poster, and you've probably seen it, or it's uh, nowadays they wouldn't call it a poster, it'd be a meme online. <laughs> but it, that, with that kindergarten kid, and this has been for decades, and it's like all I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten or something to that effect. And I almost put a twist to it is that, you know, all I really needed to learn, I, I learned playing football, uh, you know, over the, the course of time playing. It's just the life lessons you learn. And like you said earlier, you coined it perfectly, Mike. You, you don't, I, I think the best lessons are learned when you don't know you're learning them. And, and to me, that was the reality. I, I, I don't, I, I mean, yeah, we remember it. We're all competitive. We all had fun. You know, it's, let's call it what it is. It's for the love of the game, but I love it a little bit more when I would win than when I would lose, but you learn something from both aspects. And, and like I was saying, it, it's just one of those things where I, I look back at it and I just think of so many different valuable lessons that I learned that I did not know I was learning at the time that just carry you through uh, life. So, I mean, it, it, it Really? No, so you're so ahead. right. It, it, you 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 don't realize what you're learning until it's after the fact, and then and being an adult, you you look back on you know the memories and like you said, the successes and the failures and and the lessons learned from them. And uh, you know what I always try to do now is I try to to it. Uh, use those as, as learning tools for myself, but I use them as examples too, for not only my kids and, and my players now and, and my, you know, my employees and my staff, you know, I use, I use a lot of things that I learned in the past uh, to, to, to help shape the future for, you know, like I said, my, my players, my, my own kids and, and, you know, my professional involvement. And, and I really do, when you start to narrow things down for me, it really does uh, come down to football. So no, 100%. Yeah. Like I said, it's a theme, and it's funny because it's one of those things where I always joke, if you if you know the game, which, you know, 99% of the people that are going to be listening do, um, there's there's a beauty to it. There's a strategic portion to it. There's a, a unity portion to it in the sense that, you, you know, you truly do have to, like, unlike any other sport, like, I mean, yeah, they're all team sports, but at the end of the day, you can say, well, if so-and-so doesn't do, you can't win, which is true. But in football, if so-and-so doesn't do something, just everything falls apart and implodes from there. And there's, there's just a lot more to than I guess the outside eye of just the barbaric hitting of it, which I've always, uh, like I said, I've always found fascinating. And, and, and to this day, even at my age now, I find that there'll be something that'll pop up and I'll smile because it'll remind me of my youth playing football in the sense that, Oh, you know what? That actually plays <laughs> into here. So it's kind of, so without turning this into the, uh, Wayne Jacobs memory <laughs> hour, um, why don't we uh, bring it up to, you know, kind of fast forward. So you're done playing football. What was next? Not the football committee, but once you were done, what kind of, uh, what was next? For so me? I can remember, I can remember that day very well too. I was, uh, I was 18 years old. I was just finishing high school, uh, getting ready to go to college, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I still, I still wanted to be involved. And, 
And I remember being on the field one time before my Dukes practice, because back then we could play, uh, we could actually play until we were 19. Um, and I remember being on the field at a Dukes practice and the, uh, the very, very, I can't even remember what year this is. I'm thinking, man, 1999, maybe it was the very first year that tyke football was, was introduced to NCAFA. And I can remember the kids uh, coming on, you know, you got the little guys and, you know, us big guys walking on the field and the little guys are all looking up to you saying like, wow, wow. And you're like, yeah, you could be us one day. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And one yeah. of the coaches on that team uh, asked if we wanted to help out. Like there was, you know, five or six of us there. And he says, hey, do you guys want to help out and run a drill for us and show them what it's like to run a big boy drill? And and we said, yeah. And uh, and yeah, that's that's kind of how it my next step started. Uh, stepped onto the field there, got to know the coach pretty well. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to join the staff. So I would go from I'd leave school. I'd come home. I'd have a quick bite. I'd hit the field for tyke practice. And then after that, uh, we'd uh, we'd practice at Dukes. And that has been my life ever since. I've never stopped coaching from that uh, from that first day up until today. So it's pretty. It's amazing. Your story is so similar to, to many, including mine. It sounds almost identical in the sense that um, and I never thought about coaching at all, but it was that one chance occasion where, um, and it was a great coach of mine that I'd, I'd played for before was uh, Ken Charter, the late Ken Charter. He coached me in, uh, I want to say it was mosquito football. And then I was up, I think I was around, uh, it was probably when I was playing Sooners. And he asked me to come back and just, you know, can you help show the, the quarterback a thing or two here or do this? And I mean, next thing I know, I'm I'm coaching full time with them while playing Sooners, you know. And then when I went off to school, I, every time I'd come home, uh, you know, I'd be back uh, coaching them up until it was time for me to go off to training camp. And you just developed a passion. It was something I never thought I would ever get involved in until that moment that kind of uh, Coach Charter had asked me to get involved. And it's funny that you bring up the um, the story of the tykes and the um, and when you were playing midget, because I, I think, you know, and again, most people will remember this if, if they played or even in other sports, but particularly football because of the size and everything. I, w- I would go a step further, Mike, and say I remember playing mosquito games when I was in Canada and the peewees would run on and I'd be in awe of them. It's like, oh, my God. And- Years I get to be one of them. Like they were the. It's so funny. I remember that. I remember that too. <laughs> the exact same stories. Yeah. When yeah, I was oh, playing no. mosquito too. Yep. Uh, and they used to play, and I don't know if it was the same when you're playing. I think they, it's probably kept pretty much, but the, uh, the Peewees would have the earlier game. So we would be, you know, we'd all gather and we'd be watching a bit of their game, and then we'd have to go warm up. But again, they'd come off and we'd just be in awe of them. But it's funny you bring up tight because I remember I just got back from Europe, actually, and I remember going biking by um, this was out in Canada as well and and I'm like that can't be mosquito because I just saw what looked like little bodies I wasn't sure but I was pretty sure they were bodies because I saw this helmet that seemed to be moving and every now and then it would tilt one way or the other I'm like oh yeah, no <laughs> yeah almost like a bobble eh <laughs> Uh, exactly that's the way i describe it or you probably you probably know these in the states they have the pep yes yeah, exactly yeah. i think that's where they yeah. get the bobblehead with the you head and or or like stewie from family guy with <laughs> yeah. the big head and it just like it looked like the vast majority of the effort was to not fall over from the helmet but i'll say it was probably one of my fondest memories of football and all the things i've done was that first time i saw tykes 
with the helmets on and watching them run around. And I was just like, oh, man. At the same time, jealous that I didn't get to do this at seven, eight, or nine. But just really in awe that, like, you know, this is really kind of cute. So it's funny you brought that up. It brought back um, a great yeah. memory for me. So we kind of fast forward into your coaching career. Obviously, uh, you know, you're a teenager, you're doing that. Now let's kind of bring up to the present a little. Um, you get involved with Cumberland. I mean, I know how and kind of the background with that, but why don't you kind of give me a little backdrop in terms of, uh, yeah, how you got involved with the Yeah, so, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, you mentioned his name earlier, uh, a guy named Jeff Karate, who um, I got to know. He's so funny, actually. Jeff, Jeff coached on the Dukes team that I played on. Um, and when Jeff was a okay. player back, uh, way back in the day with, uh, with, with his Sooners days before he, uh, before he played with the Rough Riders, uh, he actually spoke at, uh, at our banquets as a guest speaker when I was a player with the Bengals. So I, I knew of him and, uh, and when he came to, uh, to the Panthers, uh, geez, probably a good 12, 12, 13 years ago now, um, you know, we connected one night through a mutual friend and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm running the, uh, the Tyke team here at, uh, at Cumberland. Do you want to, uh, do you want to come aboard? And by this time I had already been coaching for a good, you know, a good, probably eight years or so, 10, 10 years or so. And he okay. said, uh, he said, uh, yeah, come on, come on aboard and, and help us out. And, you know, it was a fresh start and, and we had moved closer to, uh, to this area with, uh, with my family at the time. Uh, with my wife and a uh, very, very young kid, probably a baby at that time. And, uh, and yeah, he asked me to come out and I stayed with him from uh, two years at Tyke, two years at Mosquito, uh, two years at Peewee. Uh, we coached um, uh, the, in the uh, OVFL together with, uh, with the Panthers, with the summer, uh, the summer league, um, you know, and in right, 2017 right. was probably our, our best year together. Um you know, we, we, we kind of transitioned, uh, in 2017 full-time to, uh, to, uh, to summer football in the, in the very first uh, season of mm -hmm. the OPFL. And, uh, I had taken at that time, I had taken the head coach job of our, of our mosquito team. Um, and we actually won the very first OPFL, uh, provincial championship. Uh, so that was huge. And then right. once I transitioned into the Ancafa season, uh, our mosquito team, uh, won won the Ancafa A Cup championships, so we basically won two uh, championships in uh, in the same year, and that was uh, that was huge. Um, that year was the best, and and put the put the championships aside, the friendships that I built that year uh, with coaches like uh, like Jeff and uh, uh, and Mike Hendricks and Eric Perron and uh, you know Mike Rulo and. Uh, uh, so many great guys, Brendan Smith, Larry Ring, like these guys have all now become just, uh, you know, extremely close friends of mine that, uh, that if it wasn't for football, none of that would happen to, you know? No, no. And it brings, and that's one of the things that I do. And uh, we were kind of talking about the teamwork aspect, both on the field and on the coaching staff, but I just, another thing I love, and I mean, other sports have, have a tendency to do this, but they just don't do it as much as football by the nature of it. That's not a, you know, a knock on other sports. It's the nature of football. You have so many people coming from so many different backgrounds, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, religion, race, uh, language, whatever the case may be. And that's got to be put aside. And then on top of it, and this is the thing I love about football, the other sport, 
you have guys that that forget about those differences. You have guys that just have such drastically different skill sets. I mean, um, you know, like I, I remember one of the first podcasts we did was with CFL receiver mm-hmm. Nate Bahar. And, and Nate and I joked, and, and it was true. I'm like, you know, you're a pro level, uh, you're a pro receiver that was on the cusp of making the New York Giants. And you, you would agree with me, you, you couldn't play offensive line for a junior team, like for the Ottawa Sooners, because, yeah, because it's such a, it's a departure from what you do. Vice versa, you could take the best NFL O lineman. And he would probably, you know, he'd have a hard time playing running back for, uh, for to be successful as a high school running back. You know what I mean? Like it's just the drastic differences in skill sets, and as such, you're bringing a different mentality to the table. I, I, I love that about it. And so it's always something that you know you, you think, and and, and I can no, I never get sick. It's of true. Play. It's true. I just so just to touch that. on that too. It, you're you're absolutely right. And and when the camaraderie that's built amongst the coaching staff and, and I've just been absolutely blessed for probably the last man, the last 13 years of, of my coaching career here have been blessed with amazing, amazing guys uh, and girls uh, that, that have really brought uh, such a great dynamic to the team. It's uh, you know, different personalities and all that. It's been, it's been fantastic. I couldn't, I couldn't ask for better coaches uh, to, to, to grow with than, than the guys I've come to know and called close friends over the past uh, decade. hundred percent. You bring up a couple of guys that were ex teammates of mine, Mike Hendricks mm-hmm. and, and Jeff Karate, and both are perfect examples. I, you know, we're not in regular contact, but I mean, uh, you know, uh, if I see Jeff, I'm very happy. And it's almost like we revert back to playing Sooners together. When I see Mike, I mean, I see Mike even less. I forget the last time that I probably bumped into Mike, but it might have been like at a reunion at a Panda or something. And again, it's like, you know, you, you're remembering not just the the on-field stuff, but, you know, the stuff in the locker room for the 30 minutes when you're getting ready, that talk. You remember the stories that were exchanged. And as a coaching staff, like I said, you you experienced it with OPFL. I mean, one of the things that you love is, yeah, there's the game, there's the teaching of the kids, there's guiding the next generation. But then, you know, there's that camaraderie against uh, amongst guys that common passion to do all this in a six hour road trip. I mean, it's 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 fun for the adult. too. So, I mean, it's a win win. Now, just to backtrack for a second, Mike, just to get a a bigger picture um, between the time. Now, you started your coaching career relatively early, right when you were still playing. Before you got to Cumberland, and I meant to ask you this, can you give me a little bit of background of uh, any of the organizations you were with or uh, the levels? Yeah, I, uh, so I, I obviously you go back to the club that you know the best. So when I my very first uh, uh, experience coaching for probably a good three, four years was was with the Bengals. Uh, that's after I, I started to play Dukes. Um, and then a couple guys just uh, decided to go and help a couple other clubs out. Um, my dad was uh, was a coach too. And, and he, uh, he formulated, uh, you know, back in the day, he formulated some pretty good uh, friendships with uh, some clubs out in the West. So uh, when I was still, you know, very young, you know, 19, 20, 21, um, kind of followed him a little bit. He, uh, we spent some time out at, uh, at uh, the, the Norseman. Uh, coaching some midget football that was that was pretty fun um and uh and then when i got to you know sort of build my own my own network uh some coaches you know came calling and uh, i spent some time at the at the giants uh i spent a couple years with uh uh with luigi costanzo and his staff at the ottawa junior riders um and the in the cgfl and that was that was a pretty fun experience um that's you know 
the highest one of the highest caliber amateur football uh in in canada has to offer so that was that was pretty fun um and then and then i uh, i was able to to come to the panthers and uh and yeah spend the, the past past 12 13 years there yeah no cool before we get into uh, a little bit more with the panthers and the administrative side i always ask this as a curiosity thing you've coached uh at almost every level in the city. And so I'll ask you this in terms of when you're coaching, you, 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 you helped out with tykes, you've coached junior, uh, junior ball, junior riders, and you've coached everything in between. Um, what are some of the big differences? Like uh, just talking for you from your own point of view, in terms of your approach to coaching the kids, like, do you find that there's a drastic difference in your style from the young ones to the older ones? I mean, obviously there's going to be a difference. What, what kind of fine tuning do you it's do? It's a great question. Um, you know, when, it, you can't coach a 10 year old the same way as you coach a 19 year old. It's just not, uh, it's not going to be the same. Um, you know, one, and <laughs> that's a, it's a hard question for me to answer because when I was, you know, 22, 23 years old, I was coaching 18 and 19 year olds already. And it was tough because I wanted them to respect me and respect my knowledge and, and that, which they did. Nobody ever gave me a hard time, but we're only a couple of years difference. And it was hard not to be some of their friends. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there's, there's guys to this day where I was 20, you know, 22 years old, 23 years old, and they were 19 year old uh, playing junior riders. And uh, you know, they're, they're friends of mine now to this day, they've actually, I got guys that, uh, you know, that have come and actually coach with me that, uh, that I used to coach and we're only a couple of years apart. So that's hard. But when you, t- when you're coaching a 10 year old, you know, you're focusing on the basics. You're focusing on the game. Um, and when you're coaching the older guys, obviously it's, it's, uh, you're, you're, you're going more technical. And when you start to get technical, you start to, uh, uh, you start to be able to do a little bit more. And, and when those relationships kind of, uh, kind of go a little bit, uh, stretched, um, the, the trust factor and the, and the knowledge factor and the, um, you know that the comfortability factor of of that relationship starts to get stronger and stronger as the kids uh, as the kids get older but you know as you probably know you got to adapt as a coach you always got to adapt to uh, to who you're coaching you know you never you never you never have your game plan before you know who you're going to be coaching you know you you never it's not you're not hell bent on running a 43 defense when you don't have any linebackers <laughs> that could play linebacker, you know, you, you adapt to who you have, you coach who you have. Right. So that's, that's always been a philosophy. No, yeah. and it's, it's refreshing to hear that. It's refreshing to hear you say that. Cause I think that's, you know, to me, that was always, especially at the young levels. I mean, yeah. Okay. If I got to draft in the NFL and I had some of the world's premier athletes, then yeah, maybe I, I can create a system and assume that I'm going to be able to put 11 men in the spot. But I mean, when you're coaching exactly that, uh, you know, the younger levels, even including going up to midget or the junior riders, I mean, there's the adaptability. So it's kind of cool to hear you kind of talk about that and covering off on, on each level and kind of saying how it differs. Now, an- another question, because I find it really fascinating. You kind of got your coaching start with Tyke. And then you fast forward uh, several years later, you know, no longer teenage Mike, uh, young father, Mike, uh, husband, Mike, um, you know, and you're back and you find yourself when you were coaching the tech. Did you notice? And it was what, probably about uh, 10, 12 years in between type of thing. 
did you notice any huge shift in the in the I don't want to say the mentality because I don't like to talk about the mentality of a seven or eight year old player, but I think you understand what I mean. Did you notice any real difference in in coaching them, say twelve years previous to then when you restarted coaching that specific age? Hmm. Good one. Good. Good question. I'd, I'd have to say yes. I mean, you, you obviously have a different culture change. I mean, the the parents uh, the parents of those kids twelve years ago compared to the parents of the same age now they their their expectations are different their parenting styles are different their you know society itself is different uh so it, it's hard to uh it's hard to get so i'll give you an example so when i played i had a coach uh his name was ivan brown uh he was a phenomenal coach he actually taught me uh, a lot of things uh, him and i spent a lot of time talking football and technical and stuff he's actually one of the guys that that uh, sort of helped me get into coaching because we talk so much technical stuff but man he was a hard ass and he you know when i'm 18 years old he's the kind of guy that would grab your face mask and say you know let's go let's go with a couple swear words in between i <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I, I, know, I know that. Yeah. Exactly and, and that. I, and that. I responded to that. That got me jacked up. That, that got me motivated. I said, no problem coach. I won't let you down. I'm going to hit the field. I'm going to make that play. You know, here we go. Can you do that now? Can you grab a kid by the face mask and say, let's go, let's go. You know, can you do that now? Maybe, maybe with a kid, but you got to know who that kid is. Um, are his parents going to get pissed off? <laughs> are they going to, are they going to, are they going to get upset because you yelled at their kid? Well, that, you know, you gotta, so you got to evolve from then and now some things work, some tactics work with some kids, some don't. And, uh, you really got to know your, know your team and know your players to, to put those tactics into place, you know? So some of that stuff doesn't fly anymore during, uh, during these times, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, 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 and I'll reiterate, I absolutely love that you're saying that because I, I know I've gotten to know you over the last couple of years. I mean, I, yeah. I know you, I think it's yeah. been about three, four years that I've known you. You say, I know your background. I know what you bring to the table. So I know you're that style of coach, but I, I just, any aspiring coaches, I hope they're listening. And when I talk aspiring, I'm not uh, talking the next Bill Belichick. I'm talking even more important than that is the, the ones that are creating the environment for, you know, the 99% that won't go pro, but plus the 1% that will, that are giving that environment. And, and what the key is, is like you said, in youth sports, football in particular, but it's the adaptability of the coach. It, it, it's got to be done. And I know the, some of the most impressive coaches I've been around and, and even at the, some of the higher levels was their ability to adapt to their individual players. It's like, I bring the example of coach Hallett and I mean, it wasn't that he changed his personality, but he knew what made each player tick. And he was not going to address me like the next guy or the guy after that. It was just an individual approach. And I think he got the most out of his athletes doing that. And like you said, some guys, whether it be 1959 or whether it be 2021, are always exactly. going to respond to that, you know, are always going to. I think linebacker, you have to have a bit of that mentality. I think to be an offensive lineman, you have to be like, it's hard not to have that mentality. So it almost flies, but you're, you're, you're dead on. Um, it's interesting to say that now a quick question in terms of, we were talking the um, let's say the, the, the kind of difference between uh, the coaching, the, the tyke level and whatnot. I'll talk on a whole on a, on a kind of taking on a, a looking at football in general, not so much on the coaching side, but, 
is there any major changes that kind of jump out from you in terms of, I mean, not thinking about the evolution, but just from when you started to Nakaf and in your playing days and in the infancy of your coaching to where Nakaf is today? Like, what would you say is one of the, the biggest changes? Or Probably, and I think this is in the whole sport, but I've definitely noticed it, uh, you know, talking to people over the course of the year. I mean, it's uh, our, our sport a couple of years ago was, was, was under war. It was under siege. Uh, safety, safety was always, uh, was always a big thing uh, with it. And you hear, you know, you unfortunately hear a lot of the stuff in the pros that, that are not, uh, that are not nice stories. Um, and I found that the sport right now is as safe as it ever has before as it ever has before. I mean, you know, look at the equipment you played with and we played with, uh, you know, back in the day compared to what it is now, it's a thousand times better. And so if I were to say, uh, if I were to say something, I'd say that the sport has never been safer. Uh, it's never been more controlled. Uh, it's never been more fun. I, 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 as much fun as I had playing, uh, I've probably can tell you I've had more fun coaching than I did when I was playing. You know, and and so it, there's right. there's definitely that aspect, and yeah, rule changes and blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. Every sport's got that as it evolves, right? Um, but but the culture of of mm-hmm. the safety of the sport, I think now is the best it's ever been, and and that and I'm very proud of that because, um, you know, football gets a bad rap sometimes because it's a because it's a you know it's a it's not a contact sport, it's a collision sport. Uh, you know, it's a sh- that short burst of, of collisions, you know, the average play lasts five seconds, you know, um, stuff like that. It, it's, is, um, it, it's tough. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm happy where we are today with the sport. No, and I tend to agree with that. It's funny because it's a lot of times a negative will, you can turn it into a positive. I think that's what happened. You're dead right. It was a game under assault. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There had to be changes made if there was going to be any sustainability to the sport of football. I mean, did I love it in the, you know, watching as a kid the way it was? I sure did. Did I love playing it? But am I completely on board with the evolution? A hundred percent. Things change. Athletes get bigger. You have to take safety. And then on top of it, like I said, the key thing is, is is 99.9% of kids that suit up are, are not going to get paid to play the game. Heck, I think something like 90% of them aren't going to play university. So, I mean, that doesn't mean that this can't be an incredibly formative, important, and just fun experience. And, and, and I mean, if we can't keep that safe or keep improving on that or have the years to say, hey, I'm going to listen to this because it's for the betterment of youth football. Um, so I think it's not just inevitable, but I think I do I, too. I, I do too, for sure. Have been made, um, like, and I think it's going to add to the longevity of the game. And I think it's, uh, I think the future generations are going to get to enjoy it and reap the same benefits you and I have. So now I'm going to kind of get into the admin side of things. Cause we talked about your coaching career. Um, kind of walk me through to how uh, you went from coaching to we'll call it the board. I know you're still coaching, but to the boardroom and to the kind of leading the Cumberland Panthers into this. Uh, well, obviously this new decade, I, I, guess you could I, say. I ran for president at the best possible time, you know, cause I knew COVID was going to happen. So, you know, <laughs> you know, 2020 was, was, <laughs> was my inaugural year. And, uh, you know, I, I just had to make it as, spe- as special as possible. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it uh, no, it no, came exactly. to a point like, so I 
again, I was, I've been coaching, uh, you know, with our, with our junior Panther program. Uh, I took the head coach of that. Uh, then I was two years with the Tykes, uh, two years with the Mosquitoes. Uh, and then in 2019, I was with the, with the Peewee team as the head coach. Um, I was going to be the head coach in 2020 of that. But uh, my wife has always been my manager. She's always been my team manager. Uh, she's has been uh, as supportive as it gets when it comes to uh, uh, football and, and coaching and everything, you know, um, she might tell you otherwise. And I'm sure we've had uh, our fair, our fair share of fights, but you know, she's been, uh, she's been my biggest fan, but uh, she, she, she got into the admin side of things as, as like I said, being our team manager. Um, and then a couple of years ago, she decided to, to join our board and make a positive, uh, positive impact there. And, you know, we just like every club, like every job, there's, there's some turnover. Uh, our past president wanted to step down and, you know, there wasn't really anybody that wanted to sort of step up and I'm not saying I want it by attrition, but, uh, you know, I thought that I could do something special and, and take the club into the, the same direction and, and a, of what we're going with the, with the growth that we've had. And, you know, I wanted to uh, wanted to put an imprint on that and do whatever I can to make the Panthers the best, uh, the, give our give our families basically the best football experience that, that we can. So, so I made that jump in 2019. Yeah. No, and that's awesome. Yeah, no, and that's awesome. I mean, again, not to, to kind of pump your tires on the uh, on the air here, but I, I again, I commend and applaud yourself and others for doing that. Because, like I said, I look back, and and if I'm going to look at the big picture, not just football, um, I have incredibly fond memories of of you know playing hockey, playing baseball, um, and all these things. And 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 I was lucky for 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 me, ninety five percent of my youth youth sports experience were were not positive, but greater than positive like they were just phenomenal like to call them positive is an understatement and and it's as you get older that you realize you know not everybody is is willing to do what the volunteers that were in my various sports are were willing to do and heck not even every club has that uh you know that's the goal and that's the dream but not every sports organization in the world has the dedicated uh you know the dedicated volunteers that that kind of put that mentality it's for the kids Let's create something and let's build off this. So again, Mike, I really applaud you on doing that and stepping forward. And um, and I think it's a great thing that yourself and the other presidents in the CAF are doing. Now, I'll kind of ask a little bit, uh, Cumberland, do you have any, I mean, without letting the cat out of the bag, and uh, but do you have any, any kind of visions for the future or anything? Or And I'm not talking big, grand scheme, like uh, this team here, we're going to do that, join that, but just kind of like a direction you might be seeing the club going to in certain things or some evolution. We, we do. We I mean, we, we our motto of our club is always to give the kids and our families the best football experience possible. Um, and we do that. So every year, every single year after the season, we send out a survey to all of our families. Every, every, uh, every family gets a survey and it's, uh, you know, a series of questions. What was great? What was, what can we do better? Uh, were there any challenges on your end, you know, et cetera, et cetera, a whole bunch of stuff. How was the coach? How was the season? How was your favorite moment? What was your least favorite moment? All this kind of stuff. And we sit back at the end of the season, we do a debrief of the season and we, and we figure out where we can, uh, where we can get better. Um, our club is extremely focused on three things right now. One is our non-contact, uh, so our flag programs in the spring. The second is our youth. 
so our grassroots, uh, we run a Junior Panthers program, which are for kids that are um, six, seven, and eight years old. And this program, uh, for I'll, I'll actually let you in on, on what we're doing for 2021, is uh, we're getting into uh, the Rydell Tackle Bar system. Um, not sure if anybody out there knows about that, uh, but it's uh, full equipment, uh, helmet, shoulder pads, the whole the whole deal. But the kids are going to be wearing almost like a vest that has these bars on the back, and we're going to be able to teach them all the proper safe tackling by grabbing the bars and pulling them off and and all that. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be new. And then um, and then our girls programs. Uh, that's really something special. That's that's near and dear to our club. Um, we have a very strong uh, presence of uh, of girls uh, flag. Uh, over the past few years and um, we're going to be launching and we actually already did in 2019 unfortunately COVID uh, kind of took this over in 2020 but uh, we have a girls tackle program that we're starting up as well so those those three things are uh, are very very near and dear to our club um, and they're they're programs that that families are asking for so we got to deliver right Nice. Now, what's the growth been like on the uh, on the girls' flag programs? I know it's been exponential in other areas of the it's country. It's been huge. We've levels. been running been it like for uh, for quite a few years now, uh, and every year it gets bigger and better. Every single uh, every single year. Last year we had so actually I'll say last year, but it was 2019. Uh, I think we had of 120 girls come through our girls' flag program. Yeah. Cool. And what? What age levels is it just if anybody's listening and they hadn't thought about it and like, wow, you know, I know somebody or I have a daughter or a sister, or whatever. What age? Uh, so it's age uh, it goes from U13 all the way now? to U20 for uh, for the girls program. So uh, I want to say 12 years old all the way up to uh, to 19 years old. And they're uh, they're their division. So they practice and then they play against uh, some of the other Rankafa clubs uh, as well who have a similar program. It's a very, very, very cool program. If uh, you haven't seen girls uh, play uh, flag football before, uh, you have to because they're sometimes more competitive than our tackle programs. <laughs> uh, I, I I absolutely love it. I love seeing the explosion of it. I mean, I have experienced firsthand where I've been I I, I coached uh, women's flag teams overseas, and so I'm seeing the growth there. And I think it's because not everybody, male or female, wants the contact, but there's a lot to offer in the game of football without the contact. I mean, you know, you're an ex linebacker, so you're probably scratching your head to what I'm saying right now. I hear you. As an ex quarterback, yeah, there we're we're very very fortunate contact. at our club. We are our yeah. uh, our past president Marco Ouellette. Um, the girls programs for him is very, very near and dear, uh, to him. Uh, he's been running with it and been organizing it for quite some time. Uh, he, he's got a daughter in the program, which, uh, which keeps him in, uh, uh, keeps him viable for that. And he, he, we, we let him take care of it. He just takes care of it. He runs with it. He grabs the coaches, he grabs the volunteers. He, he does everything, uh, for our girls program. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for him and his, uh, and his coaches and his team, you know, we wouldn't wouldn't be successful in that area. So uh, hats off to him for what he's done for, uh, for girls football in, in Ottawa, but especially out here in Cumberland. No, that's awesome. And like I said, I had a chance to meet Mark a few times and I mean, there couldn't be a better guy doing that. And the thing that I'm loving that I'm seeing, like I, I was alluding to is just like my brother, for example, he coaches um, 
uh, women's for we won't call it girls women's flag football at the, at the SAGEP level and so I mean it's really cool to see it taken off and that the potential I mean it's happening in Quebec and hopefully it expands throughout but now there's that potential to play beyond the youth leagues and uh, for girls and 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 anybody want to play the the flag football game so it's growing so that's really cool that you guys have embraced that at the same time growing the tackle program I think this is great I think it's I love the evolution of it whereas people say yeah there's there's many sides of football and it doesn't have to always come in the same package now i'm going to kind of uh you, you sparked my interest because i remember you guys um promoting this and then we had this uh oh yeah 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 remember yes yeah one or two things about it in the news and anyway so i mean everything was put on hold you know and it, mm-hmm. and it seems like we haven't done anything in like 80 years but to that, I do remember the talk about the um, the female tackle program at uh, Cumberland. Can you tell me a little bit about how this kind of came to fruition and then what the vision is in terms of uh, the competition, what style you're playing? Like, I find it incredibly fascinating, interesting. I think it's great that you guys are doing it. Can you kind of bring me back? Yeah, to so that? we've always had the, uh, the we've always had a couple girls on every on all the teams, you know, whether it be a couple at Tyke, a couple at Pee Wee, or a couple at uh, Mosquito. There's always there's always been some. So we're always inclusive on that. And they can play. And uh, we kind of came to a, a sort of realization that some of the girls in flag really wanted to play tackle football too. But they didn't necessarily want to come out, you know, at, at 14, 15 years old and start playing with uh, with the boys. And I get that. That's 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 obvious. And that's a no brainer. So why don't we try to look at doing a girls program? And uh, and again, Mark took the lead on this. He, he started talking to some other provinces that uh, have had some experience. Uh, I think there was uh, he was talking to people in New Brunswick and and Manitoba, uh, as well as Quebec uh, out, of Mon- out of Montreal. And there was an appetite for football and, uh, for, for girls or, and for women. And uh, and so he started to drum up some conversations and he started to say, um, you know, I think this might be possible. We, you know, we're, we're talking to some of our girls on flag and, and they really want to play. So here we are in 2019, the, the spring of 20, uh, um, sorry, the, the tail end of uh, 2019, uh, you know, winter, February of 2020, we open up registrations for girls tackle. And all of a sudden we have 60 girls registered, uh, for girls tackle. So we are just thrilled, you know, it was going right for, yeah, right from age, uh, age 12, all the way up to age 19. So it was, uh, yeah. So there was an appetite there and, you know, again, that, uh, that uh, black cloud of COVID kind of, kind of ruined our plans, but uh, we were, we were, uh, we were pretty stoked. So we're really hoping to build off some of that momentum here in, in 2021. Obviously, uh, you know, we were, we were gearing it towards more of a spring program. I'm not sure that's going to happen this, uh, this Mm -hmm. spring, Um, obviously with the landscape that's happening right now. So we're seriously looking at, uh, at trying to make it happen in the fall. No, that's very cool. Like I said, and I have the same sentiments. I remember um, both playing and even coaching. Um, I had girls, young ladies that uh, I remember in Bantam having a teammate and she was my uh, starting left tackle and was very good. And then it gets to a point, like you said, I mean, it's just nature takes over and, you know, 17 year old girl might not want to or feel comfortable, you know, competing against a 17 year old boy. 
in that sport and uh, and there was no avenue and it was almost like they were forced out of it or whatnot and I mean it's great to see I and and I said this I remember coaching with the Giants and I had a couple girls on my Bantam team and and probably the best like I mean in terms of the focus that they brought in terms of their actually listening and coachability um one in particular was one of the best football players in terms of just the most enjoyable pleasurable experience coaching someone and and that's all nice that's kind of me giving the purple ribbon but she was a damn good football player too so you know it's not just me giving the purple ribbon it's like yeah she was the whole package and like i said it would have been cool to see um and i mean she was she she was a a, a tough girl i mean like spirit wise like she was uh, one of those people that it was like okay you say i can't do something i'm gonna i'm gonna show you i can do it and i don't think that's it makes a difference if you're male female i mean some possess that absolute drive some don't and so it's you know for some that are a little more reserved it's a little tougher to say, okay, you know what, screw it. I'm going to show that I can do this no matter what age or what level. So I think it's great. I absolutely love hearing that. Um, Like I said, I look forward to, you know, life returning to some degree of normalcy and you guys kicking that off. And I can guarantee you all, uh, if I'm in town, I'll be out there checking out a game or two because I well, I'll tell you what, real quick, Mike, because uh, I've taken up a bunch of your time now, and I really appreciate <laughs> it, but I don't want to get you in trouble. So this is what I'm going to do. We've talked a whole bunch of stuff. Why don't you talk to me about uh, the little Schmitz, the, your, your your guys playing ball, because I don't want to hang up here and be done, and they listen to it, and they're like, Dad, you didn't say anything about us. Yeah, so my I so, got two um, guys right now. One's uh, my oldest guy's 14, and my youngest guy is, uh, is 11. They've actually just had birthdays. Uh, about a month ago um ryan my oldest he's uh he's played with uh with the panthers uh since the since the junior panthers since the little guys since he was uh seven years old so he's uh he's going to be entering his first year of bantam this year um i feel terrible for him because he's missed so back when he played his senior year of tyke and CAFA did an age change and raised the age limits, uh, lowered the age limits, sorry. So he lost a year right. of tyke football, his senior year of tyke football. And um, and now with COVID, he lost his senior year of peewee football. So he's going to be uh, jumping head, feet into Bantam, playing with, uh, you know, different rules, uh bigger ball <laughs> all sorts of stuff and he plays uh he plays tight end and and he's got he's got a passion for the game that's uh that's hard to beat uh very very smart uh, dedicated player excellent teammate um as well uh, my little guy he's uh he's a bull in a china shop he is the kind of kid that uh doesn't want to touch the ball he doesn't want to throw the ball he doesn't care about scoring touchdowns or anything all he wants to do is protect his friends on the field um he's embraced the o-line mentality which is something that a kid at his age never does so he's uh he's always played center uh he loves it he loves blocking for his buddies uh you know and and that's great so he's going to be going into his well his second year of mosquito uh because last year he lost his uh his first year of mosquito <clears throat> i feel i feel bad for some of these kids I, I our sport this year in 2021 is uh is tough you know there if you look at uh at at the years there's not one single tyke aged player that has played tyke football 
in the city. There's not one single mosquito aged mm-hmm. player that has played mosquito football yet in this city. All the tyke players that graduated are now senior uh, senior mosquitoes, and and my son is uh, has fallen into that as well. Um, I you know anybody that's listening right now who's coaching uh, who uh, is is unsure where they want to go uh, and consider themselves a good quality coach, I encourage you to try to get onto a club at the tyke or the mosquito level because uh, without great coaches and and great mentorship at that uh, at that level it's uh it's going to be really really tough in this city to uh to take these tykes and mosquitoes and keep them engaged in our sport and and uh and get them to be playing you know peewee bantam and midget because it's uh it's going to be really tough so i i really empower all these clubs and and these and these coaches to uh to take a step back and and look at the grassroots of your clubs and uh, and put all your efforts into the Tyke and Mosquito programs uh, this year for 2021. No, I like that you're saying that. And I mean, that's a pretty good note to finish things off because I do think it's important. And I mean, um, when we get back to normal, um, you know, as I say to many people, I mean, for me at my age, yeah, you notice it, but it's like, you know, life's not like when you were a teenager or a little kid where every six months is might as well be a new lifetime in terms of experiencing, experiencing something new. And, and it just, and, and not to sound corny or melodramatic, but it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I see that, you know, your stuff I took for granted as part of growing up and watched, you know, 20 years of people or 30 years or 40 years after me and before me, simple things like graduation, simple things like, uh, you know, just stuff that, they they don't ever get to do and i mean and and like you said we're not the majority of youth athletes are not going pro they're not going college um and that and that's not the value of youth sports is to produce call collegiate or professional level athletes the value of youth sports is so far beyond that and uh and like i said it's just it makes me feel good hearing you say stuff like that mike is hopefully people will kind of grasp your words and understand that it's not just uh you know it's not just rhetoric it's we really have to pay attention over the next few uh you know i want to say years but over the next 12, 14, 16 month period to make sure that in every sport, not just football, but every sport that we realize that, you know, for a lot of these kids, a year's a lifetime and they've lost a lifetime of development, sport, play, whatever. And I mean, you know, that interest will wane if, if it's not maintained. And so, like I said, I hundred percent agree, Mike, and I'm glad you kind of, uh, you, you brought it up here and I'll echo your sentiments. If you're out mm-hmm. there guys, um, the next two years are going to be crucial for uh, any sport, but particularly the one we love, football, and especially at the grassroots level. So on that note, without getting too, too serious here, Mike, I really, really appreciate you taking the time, buddy. It was great talking to you. Um, great storyteller. I always enjoy our conversations. And, and like I said, I think uh, I picked up a thing or two in terms of what, uh, you know, on the on the landscape for uh, Cumberland. And I think Thanks, you Wayne. Appreciate that. Thing. And so, uh, yeah, really it was always a pleasure. Again, enjoy talking to you as well. I uh, just want to take the time uh, to reach uh, anybody who's listening. All the best in your football season uh, this year. Uh, if we have one and uh, I really hope everybody out there um, does whatever it takes and, and lobbies, whoever they can to make sure that football stays top of mind, stays viable uh, and we can have a season that we, that we all want. Cause uh, you know, 
we all love the sport. We're all here for a reason. It's for the, it's for the love of the sport, the love of the game and, uh, and, uh, and, and to see these kids uh, enjoy the sport that has given us so much. Right. So thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. And I echo those sentiments. Couldn't have said it better myself. And once again, I want to thank everybody who took the time to uh, give it a listen here on the NACAFA 65 Years of Our Huddle Includes Everyone podcast series. Again,